Hello! Hope you guys are doing swimmingly. How is everybody? Welcome to episode number two of Listen, titled Take Number Two. How can we make learning fun again? I'm your host, Rupal Goyle, but you can call me Roops. This is a show where I give hot takes and social commentary on topics I really have no business giving hot takes about, but I do it anyway. Each week, I cover a different topic with a super cool, very credible featured guest. Last episode, I sat down with my less credible, still cool friend, Trevor, to talk about dating app culture, relationships, and my plans to trap a man in New York City. This week, however, I'll be discussing the changing landscape of the college classroom and how one professor has made it a goal to shift his class from a boring, lectured-based experience to something a little more exciting. My guest this week is a former professor of mine and an all-around super awesome guy, Dr. Mike Lowe, an assistant professor of marketing at the Georgia Institute of Technology since August 2015. He holds a Bachelor of Arts in Music from Brigham Young University, an MBA in Marketing and Strategy from Indiana University, and a PhD in Business Administration from Texas A&M University. He also has professional experience in international marketing, human resources, and retail management. Now, without further ado, let's roll. So, let's introduce yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Let's introduce yourself. I'm Mike Lowe. I am an assistant professor at the Scheller College of Business at Georgia Tech. Is that it? That That does it. That does it. So I had Dr. Lowe for marketing two years ago, Mm -hmm. and that's really when I decided to switch the learning path and the educational path I was taking, and I went into more of a marketing-based career. So it was really exciting. So I really just wanted to talk about, you know, your philosophy in the classroom, why you teach the way you teach, because for those of you who are tech students and business students, you've definitely heard of his practices in the classrooms. You've probably seen it on Facebook. So I'm here to go directly to the source. So what's your what's your classroom approach and why is your class more interactive than most? Um, I'm going to back up to what you, you said. I think your words were, why do you teach the way you teach? Um, or something to that effect. And the short answer is uh, because I hated school. Uh I didn't enjoy it, and, and it wasn't it wasn't an issue of, of intellect. I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I, it wasn't a, it was an intellectual struggle. It was just that I, I didn't enjoy school, and and uh, and so I went to 25 years of it, and now I'm teaching, I guess. Uh, but the reason that I teach the way I do is because um, because I care, and I feel like students should have the best experience possible. They're here paying for their education. They're going to go out and change the world in some way, shape or form for better or worse. Uh, And so if I'm going to have any impact on the world, it's going to be through uh, teaching well. Uh, And so I guess because I care and I wanted it to be done better for me. So I'm going to try to do a better job of it myself. So you were talking about caring for your students and wanting to make it fun because, you know, you did school for so long and school mm-hmm. wasn't fun. So what are some things you do in the classroom to make it fun and engaging? Oh, gosh. Uh, like specific, like what actually do we do in the classroom? Well, yeah. um, we eat a lot of food. That's true. We got pizza once. Um, there's lots of music. There's lots of videos. I try to 
make sure that people hear other voices besides mine. And that's whether we're watching videos or having other people uh, present, guest speakers, whether it's students presenting to each other or, or talking in groups amongst each other. Um, I think it's important to hear uh, someone else's voice, not just mine forever and ever. Um, and try to provide examples, right? I mean, so marketing is one of those things where you can, you can talk about it from an ivory towered standpoint and, and provide frameworks and, and this, that, or the other, but um, everything should be demonstrable in a really simple way, right? You know, it, it, well, we've all been consumers forever. Uh, we're exposed to marketing hundreds of times a day. And so these things are intuitive. We recognize these things. And, and so uh, examples, I think, can just help kind of bring it to life. So I guess those are some of the things that we do. That's so good. Tell them, I just want you to tell them real quick about the Nike shoe example you did in class and how that tied in. It was expensive. It was so good. Well, yeah. So, I mean, like marketing, it's, you know, uh, we do it all the time. It's not like accounting or financing unless it's your job. But marketing, we are consumers all the time. So, you know, when, when we talk about the path to purchase or making a purchase, it's something we can do in the classroom. And so... Um, there's different parts of making a purchase and all the way from problem recognition where we recognize we need something all the way down to the purchase and consumption of it. And, and, and so in class, I ask if somebody uh, needs something, if they're in the market for something. And it seems to be that, and I don't know if it's because words got now, but I feel like every year somebody raises their hands and says, I need shoes. And so, uh, but somebody needed a pair of shoes. We said, okay, why? And and actually, several times we've had people hold up their shoes and there are literally holes in their shoes. And we say, okay, great, problem recognition. Um, and then we go through internal search, right? Okay, so what brands do you want? What product attributes uh, are you looking for? Uh, what's your size? And we go, great, and we get all that out there. Okay, where are you going to search what, for external search? You know, what kind of retailers, et cetera, are you going to go look for? And anyways, we go through the whole thing. They, they do their internal search, they do external search. Everybody in the classroom helps. Uh, and then we go all the way down to uh, purchase. So so they actually purchase a pair of shoes. I purchase a pair of shoes um, for whoever that student is. Uh, and, um, and in five, 10 minutes, you can show the entire path to purchase. Uh, and so somebody lucks out with something. I think it's always been shoes, except for maybe like a backpack once or something like that. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember what it was. It was something, something besides shoes. Our, in our class, it was shoes. Uh, we did that. You picked a girl. We went through the whole process. We talked about Nike shoes, running mm-hmm. shoes, black, lightweight, um, because she's an athlete. And then I remember uh, when yeah. you, you slid me and Charlie your credit card, and we were so shocked. And then three days later, she came in wearing them. So Yeah, I'm shocked that my credit card information hasn't been stolen nope. yet, um, which is nice. You can trust me. But uh, uh, here's a follow-up to that story. I actually got an email from the athletic department because I had purchased something for an athlete, and they had to make sure that it wasn't inappropriate benefits uh, <laughs> that I was providing to. And I had to say, no, I really had no idea, actually, that she was an athlete at the time, uh, which was true. But... Uh, we were in the clear. We're okay. Oh my gosh. So it's just these are just some examples of things that we won't forget, but it really illustrates, you know, the marketing principles and things you're going to share with us. So why don't more classrooms employ this type of active learning? Like, why are we in such a lecture-based, um, dry world? <laughs> um, incentives, right? So it's it's. It's incentive structure, it, and and I don't I don't blame any any professor, right? I, I think I think professors do care and, and try, but 
the fact of the matter is, and I didn't know this until I got into the line of work, that the incentives are not to teach well. And it's not, I shouldn't make sure to clarify, not that we're incentivized to teach poorly. That's not what I'm saying. But the incentives are research productivity, right? Publish, publish, publish. Well, publishing research takes a lot of time and effort. And so teaching becomes a drain on what you are really evaluated for in, in your job. Uh, and so teachers, like students, look for shortcuts. And, um, and it's easier to uh, stand in front of the room and spout what you know for a while, to read off your slides, to recycle the same slides over and over again every year, to, um, to provide multiple exams that are consistent you know, over year, year over year, and you can just slide through the Scantron reader and, and get your scores. Um, honestly, in, sometimes it's because uh, faculty members uh, are so tired and beat up by students, um, you know, if they try to give anything that, that might be subjectively graded, uh, you know, they, they get beat up for it. And, and so they just go with the easy, you know, easiest, least arguable uh, means of measuring student performance. Um, and so schools, I mean, it's funny, right? The, the, I'm not sure. I think I know how it happens. I think it happens because the people that end up in charge of schools were the ones who were successful academicians before them. So they published a lot. So they feel like that's what matters. And rankings can take, you know, take these things into, into account. How much have you published? And, and so I think this game of, of publication, on the one hand, it's important, right? It's, I, I, think, I think that's part of what schools should do is create new knowledge and, and answer interesting, important questions. However, it can it can be to the detriment of students sometimes, uh, where because we have so much pressure to not be in the classroom or not be with students, but to be doing our research, doing our research, writing, publishing, running studies, um, you know, in other departments or areas, you know, looking for grant money, etc., uh, that teaching becomes a burden. Uh, it's not what you're measured by. A lot of the times, it, it's just kind of you know, as long as you're good enough, then, then that's good enough for us. I've even heard people in academia say that you don't want to teach too well. You don't want to put too much time into teaching, that it can actually send a bad signal about you as a, as a researcher. <laughs> Which, what? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, really, I've heard that several times, right? That you actually don't want your teaching scores to be too high. Um, or that, you know, at some point you just need to stop putting effort into teaching, you know. Uh, and focus on research, which I suppose is true. At some point, you, you do need to focus on the other part of your job as well. But uh, I mean, the irony is that the people that pay us our paycheck are the students. So they're the customer, right? And um, and I don't think, honestly, that my research is going to change the world at all. I, I don't know if anybody reads it at all. Uh, but I think that... I wrote it. Well, thanks. Really? <laughs> Josh, you're the first. Uh <laughs> But I think that that you know every year if there's 120 students that come through my classroom, uh, and if I can teach them a few good principles, uh, or maybe provide a few things to think about, or a few good reasons to try to be moral in their business dealings, if I can provide a few reasons to maybe be ethical and make a better choice, or or to figure out how to how to provide greater customer satisfaction or, or help their company run better, I mean that will change the world. Uh, my research won't. So I'm probably too idealistic, which is maybe why I care uh, as much about teaching. And I don't want to pretend like I'm the only one who does. Everybody cares. Uh, the people care. Professors do care. Good. Kind of. Sometimes. <laughs> I mean, your idealism is, in the end, what benefits students more than 
you coming in, turning on the PowerPoint and being like, okay, you have to know this, the exam's in two weeks, all the lecture slides, boom. You know, you had really lengthy slides. And I remember, you know, like 200 page slideshows full of images and interesting (laughs) things and, you know, anecdotes, quotes, um, examples, you know, that's the kind of stuff that employers and people like that these days care about, you know, when you go into an interview, they want to see the type of experience you have. And yeah, what can you do? Yeah, what can you do? And so I I hope that uh, I hope the class provides, I I mean, yeah, it's meant to a help you get a job, like really, and, and, and not just you know, on paper look better, but actually know what you're talking about, know what you're doing, know how to do something better than somebody else, uh, and provide you experience that you can actually take to work uh, with you. So I hope it makes a difference, a practical difference there. Do you ever think you're going to put tests back in your class? <laughs> I took quizzes away. I was just thinking about this. Uh, I, I took quizzes away last year because ideally I would, I'd like to not have them. I, I think, I think we should just be working on doing marketing, making, you know, marketing decisions, doing research and, and doing the analysis and, and thinking hard about the solutions and, and designing, I mean, doing the marketing. Uh, the quizzes, I mean, gosh, it's, it's, they're, they're kind of useless, right? Nobody's going to quiz you on vocab. I guess there's some stuff you should know, right? But uh, I did away with it last semester. And the problem is um, some, not a lot, but enough people in the class just went brain dead the minute that I said there weren't going to be any quizzes. They just totally zoned out and stayed on their laptops all day, uh, every class, and made class worse for everyone because of it. And, and that's that's so discouraging. Um, but the problem was I could I didn't have a way of proving, you know, that they were bringing the class down. And so they ended up uh, looking fine grade wise, which which stinks. Anyways, um, so I have the quizzes back in class today. I will never probably ever have a final exam or a midterm. I, I, I don't think we have to do that. Um, but if it were up to me, we'd do nothing but the project all semester long. I would love for students to be intrinsically motivated enough, care enough about actually learning to, to come in and just work on the project the whole time. But I don't know if we'll ever get a full class of 65 people that, that are that way. I mean, I took... All of my marketing classes have been project-based. I took uh, two semesters ago a social media marketing class with Professor Michael Buchanan. Mm-hmm. So he's another faculty member in That's the marketing great. department, a great, great professor. And yep. his class was entirely case-based, and 70% of our grade was the final project. And it was just the entire semester. It was a consulting project. We worked with actual companies yep. and did that, um, created that relationship with the client, and... You know, that's these are the types of projects that pop up the most in interviews when they ask you, have you ever had leadership experience? Have you ever worked with a client? Um, Things like that. Like those are the most beneficial. So, I mean, I wouldn't mind not having a final exam, but at the same time, that's not what helps me solidify the knowledge in my brain. Yeah. And marketing is you're working on big problems. Maybe marketing and strategy is kind of another area where where it's, it's not about. It, there's no, I mean, there are formulas, I guess we use, but it's really not about a, a, it's not done on a, on a moment by moment basis. It's, it's big overarching problems and questions that you're solving, right? There, there's critical thinking, lots of critical thinking uh, involved in, in analysis. And so working on a project is 
a lot like doing the real marketing. I mean, what we're trying to do is, is show you what marketing is really like, right? Um, it's not a form that you that you fill out uh, or just a spreadsheet you fill out. I mean, there's, there's quantitative aspects of it for sure, but you have to put all of it together, right? Even the, even the creative artistic side of it, right? Which, which is tricky because every semester I have to make sure I evaluate that as well. Um, but I don't know how you teach that, right? I don't know how, to, I don't know how you teach people to... Um, to, I mean, yeah. in some some schools, they, they do try to teach creativity, but there's just a talent uh, for it, right? That that uh, can frustrate some some students, not a lot, but some students because they can be excellent when given a formula. They can be excellent when when uh, told to memorize, you know, this step and that step and everything. But but when it comes to actually just doing something, sometimes they falter, and and so it it can. Uh, it can be a struggle. I had a, a team last semester that, that went through that. They were excellent students. I really liked them. And they were actually up here a lot. And I worked with them quite a bit. And they um, and they did a ton of great work. But in the end, their final recommendation just kind of fell a little flat because they weren't able to take that final sort of leap from all the analysis and insight they created to, to doing something that was really going to resonate with people and really be cool. And, and, uh, and I don't know how to teach that part. So there is, I mean, there's a, there's a science and an art. Some of it is just talent. Uh, I think there really are just naturally some talented marketers uh, out there. I don't know if there's such a thing as a talented accountant. Maybe there is. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe there is a talent aspect to that as well, but, uh, but in marketing, there certainly is. Anyways, all that is to say that the project is meant to look like real life in marketing. I mean, I guess from my perspective, because we've never been challenged like that to create some sort of um, actionable solution, that we're afraid of taking that risk and making that assumption and claim mm -hmm. in fear of being rejected for it. Because we're used to being good all the time. So for a professor to give us something so challenging and for us to not be able to handle that is a little... So much. Yeah, there's not a perfect, precise formula. There's not. There, there's probably more than one correct answer, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you could you could come to a couple different solutions, and uh, and some of them, you know, might be great. So it's pretty wide open. Marketing is wide open, right? And you can do anything. Uh, you're just gonna get different results anywhere you go. So then, I guess to answer the question, which is in the title of today's episode, mm -hmm. how can we make learning fun again? <laughs> Uh, we professors or you students? Um, <laughs> so, man, um, I think the more that learning looks like the real thing, the more fun it is. I think the more that we connect it to the real world, uh, the more fun it is. I think the more that we stop worrying about grades, uh, the more fun it is. I think the more the professors stop worrying about their evals or their research uh the, the more fun it is um some of it is is just also an intrinsic curiosity right which we kind of stamp out and kill in students some sometimes right and we put so much pressure on them um and they get so concerned about getting a job and making enough money and and excelling 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 that that uh that can kill the fun uh in learning uh we're naturally curious beings, right? Humans are naturally curious. My kids are really just curious. They, they want to know about stuff. But somehow, somewhere along the way, we can kind of quash that uh, as we 
heap demands and stress students out uh, in miserable ways. Is that the right answer? I don't know. What else can we do? That's that's a great answer. And for now, I think that's what we need. Um, yeah, we. Uh, yeah, well, I'll stop there. I, I was going to go on a rant. It's not not as relevant, but. but <laughs> Uh, no, we'll save that. We'll save that for a different time. Okay, great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was really nice of you to take the time out of your day to talk. Uh, I hope some of it's useful. Or... All of it's useful. It's all staying. Even the weird sirens. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> the emergency. Atlanta, Georgia always has emergencies. Yep. Uh, no, it is fun. I, I, I love what I do. I, 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 hope, I hope it makes a difference in some way, shape, or form. Marketing touches everything, right? I mean, the point of marketing is to make uh, people happy while at the same time making some money for your company. But that part about making people happy is, uh, I mean, that's fun, right? If that's your job to figure out how to make something better so that someone's life is better in some small way. And uh, and teaching it is fun, too. How poetic. You're poetic. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for sitting down. And... Thanks for being on Listen, the podcast. This is definitely a switch over from last week's episode. So stay tuned for more exciting content like this. Okay, how great was Dr. Lowe on that segment? I know a lot of you tech business students are probably feeling some type of way right now, some sort of regret. If you do have the chance to take him and his classes, definitely go for it. His marketing class really did change the course of my career path and has made it so much better. So who's ready for some quick quips? We're gonna try something a little different today. My friend Lauren is going to read out the quips you guys submitted, Lauren from The Bachelor Banter, which I have not researched or even really taken a second look at. And then I'm gonna respond with the first thing that pops up in my head. Ready, Lauren? Ready. Go. Greek life. Um, I respect it because a lot of my friends are in it, but it kind of terrifies me. Bad driving when even a little bit of rain or snow strikes. SMH, just drive faster. No need to go at five miles per hour. (sighs) Welcome to Atlanta. Lack of food choices at the student center. Depressing and so sad. The only thing you really need is Chick-fil-A, but I am disappointed that the Indian place there is garbage. The reason behind the government shutdown. We all know exactly who did that. Why are Uggs still a thing? Because middle schoolers still think they're cool. Fast food. Uh, makes me feel disgusting, but I eat it anyway. Blueberry jam. Delicious on toast. The current political state. Uh, revol- uh, repulsive and makes me want to throw up. India. Really awesome because that's where I'm from. Oatmeal. Uh, delicious. I really like the maple and brown sugar ones from Quaker Oats and all their like apple cinnamon ones and all that. I know they're unhealthy for you. You should eat just like overnight oats and stuff, but I still like it. Patriarchy. Um, makes me really sad that some people don't understand that men in the patriarchy do play a role and an impact on the way women are uh, perceived and, um, you know, talked to, and especially in places like the workplace. Like, it's very important to keep that in mind. Meat consumption. Uh, I eat chicken. I don't eat red meat because I'm Indian, but chicken's pretty good. Animal testing. Uh, really sad. I'm happy a lot of companies are moving towards becoming more cruelty-free. That's it. Oh my god, I did them all. Last time, you guys sent in 30, so I had to split it up between last episode and this episode. So I will be putting out the form for sending more of those in. Um, 
Thank you so much for listening this week on Listen the Podcast. Be sure to visit our Twitter page at Listen with Roops, our Instagram at Listen with Roops, or our Facebook, which is, you guessed it, at Listen with Roops. While you're at it, because I crave validation and I thrive on it more than anything on this planet, shoot me a comment, like, review, whatever. If you want to tell a friend about this pod, that would also be a real ego boost and I would genuinely appreciate it. Also, if you're a fan of The Bachelor, check out Take 2.5, The Bachelor Banter Week 4, where I talk to my friend Lauren on the side about the most recent Bachelor episode. This limited run of Bachelor-themed episodes will drop alongside my normal episodes every week. Thank you so much and have a wonderful rest of your week.